0: Welcome to You Wanted A Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast, Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus, until we hit play. We have a hit here. We've got a big hit Okay. And not just a big hit at the time, but a hit. It's been a hit ever since it was first a hit. This is a song that I feel like... My mind's going now. I think it is a very strange song, but... We all might have heard it so many times that we don't think it's strange.
1: Mm, interesting. Is this one of your like smells like Teen Spirit curveballs? Or I would never call this song revolutionary. Okay,
0: in, in <laughs> <anyway.
1: laughs> okay. Well, in the sense that like we we would all say this song is a hit for for obvious reasons, but you're you're gonna peel back a layer here, or this is a fucking weird song.
0: It's 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 a weird song. Right, I'd well, say it's a weird. Let's song. Let's jump in. Let's go. I'm I'm sipping uh, a lovely Sierra Nevada Big Hazy IPA. It's been a long day, long Mm. week. So I I went with the big guns. That's where we're at.
1: I should also be over here drinking a a delicious Sierra Nevada. But as uh, we just talked about, uh, in about 24 hours, I will be flying to to Paris. So I am getting myself set by drinking a delicious red wine here. Uh, Trying to get in the the French spirit before I, I depart. But when I come back, don't you worry, I'll be popping Sierra Nevadas and I've been drinking dark matter coffee every day. That's why I'm so wired right now. You're
0: going to need the dark matter coffee tomorrow. And I've also been, I think I've had three cups today and uh, I'm feeling good and energized for this. Our pals at dark matter coffee. Thank you. I've got a song here that we're about to discuss and I think, I think you're going to be really excited to talk about this one. Oh, yeah.
1: Jam. <laughs> this just makes me want to dance. I'm dancing right now. You can't tell. It's an audio medium, but... I, I This is a song where I, I actually don't know the name of the song. I don't know the lyrics. I don't know what Susu Studio, <laughs> Sudius is. I don't know... Anything about the song, but I've heard it multiple times, and it's, I think I mean, you kind of—it's just a banger. Nailed it there. All right, good. I can't be the only one—the
0: only one that has no idea what the song's about, or, or even what the main
1: chorus line is.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you're not alone. Uh, it is
1: Susudio. Susudio, okay. uh, by by Phil Collins. Okay, that um, was my next question. If, if it's a Phil Collins like solo song, it is. God. It's not. It's
0: not Genesis. Uh, it is a Phil Collins song. It was released January 14th, 1985 in the United Kingdom. Okay. So that was its first I release. love Phil Collins.
1: I'm just going to take it. Actually, you know what? I don't even know a ton of Phil Collins, but everything I know about Phil Collins, like the hits, I kind of love him. I, uh,
0: I have really mixed feelings on Phil Do Collins. You? Yeah. Right. I kind of feel like, um, I feel like he represents a lot of music. I really don't like. But he's like kind of the best of it, okay. In a way, like it's like it's like really soft rock, not not really my cup of tea. Um, and so like I feel like in theory, I have never really considered myself a Phil Collins fan. However, every so often I'll hear a song and I'm like, "I was kind of a jam." Oh, he's got (laughs) a lot of
1: jams. (laughs) He was in a time when I think the the soft rock thing was, was working. And like you said, like he's the cream of the crop, him and, and a handful of others. But I think he has, yeah. he, I think he, I feel like he brings a little extra artistry to, yeah to that genre. And genre.
0: Of course. He also came from a very famous prog rock band. Right. So, I mean, you know, also like, I, I guess I've always found it. I, I think I used to perceive him as being really lame. Cause he, I mean, let's be honest. He looks pretty lame. He's a he looks like a, an accounting professor. Like Fair. he's just like. But now, the fact that he's been able to build a huge superstar pop career, looking, sounding, like acting the way he does, I'm kind of like I don't know. That's kind of badass. Yeah,
1: I also think <laughs> that himself. you know we grew up similar time. Uh, our first interdu- my first introduction to phil collins most likely if i can think back to my my young young years here was probably a disney film and that probably tainted my initial feeling of him when i first when i then started hearing like his real stuff or not real stuff it was uh, tarzan, tarzan yeah.
0: so we clearly know who phil yeah. collins is i'm guessing that the vast majority if not every single person listening to this knows phil collins so we don't really need to get into a whole Phil Collins, who is he, what's his life story kind of thing like we do sometimes because we talk about some less familiar artists. All that said, Phil Collins is an English drummer, singer-songwriter, record producer, and actor. Uh, he is perhaps best known for either his time as drummer and lead singer of the progressive rock band Genesis, famously a singing drummer. He was originally only the drummer. But then when Peter Gabriel left, he took over the vocals. Sometimes oh, I when I hear have. Genesis songs, I can't tell which one of them is singing, personally. Um But he's probably more likely known for his soft rock solo career, including such hits as 1981's Ubiquitous Drum Heavy, In the Air Tonight. Ooh, the best. 1985's, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> 1985's Soft as a Baby's Bottom, One More Night. 1984's power ballad against all odds. And as we just mentioned, the theme song to Disney's 1999 animated Tarzan film, You'll Be In My Heart.
1: You'll be my heart.
0: The jam. And I would hope that some folks know this other song that is one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the Phil Collins universe. His collaboration in 2002 with Bone Thugs and Harmony titled home. Yes. Which is one of the most unintentionally hilarious music videos ever like it is oh, well, just another music video. oh my god dude it's it's because you know it's bone thugs like you know how they look how they I act i was gonna say <laughs> they filmed the video together um i actually read that they filmed it somewhere overseas because phil collins is in europe touring and he's like if you guys want to make a video all you bone thugs are flying to me so they did they made a video together and like they're all looking tough on the street. Did Phil,
1: did Phil do the song first?
0: They originally sampled, they wanted to sample the song and then Phil, uh, I just read about that. Okay. It's not even in my notes. Uh, Phil.
1: Oh, obviously take me home. with his song. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: and then Phil said, Hey, I'm down for you guys to sample it cause they have to get permission. He was like, but I want to sing on it. Let's do this thing. So he, he sang the chorus. Again, to match the Bone Thug song. And then they flew, I think, to Helsinki to make a music video with him. The music video is great because it's Bone Thugs like doing their thing. It looks like the same video as Crossroads, essentially. And then Phil Collins is in the back wearing like one of those <laughs> little, like, uh, like golf caddy beret hats. And he's just like going like this in the background, like nodding his head, looking tough. It's just so good. It's so good. I'm throwing it on right now. It's just like, I remember seeing it on, tv at some point i was just like how did this happen like they all seem like they're they're feeling it together this song is a banger it is i i it is i also i think bone thugs and harmony are a very unsung hip-hop group i think i
1: feel like this entire video as i'm watching this it's like bone thugs being like their first time in europe or something they're like where the fuck are we <laughs> like, but you can tell
0: that they're like check it out we got phil collins <laughs> Like there's this kind of reverence, and then he's kind this was it's great. Yeah, there's it's weird intercuts of him like yeah. standing in front it's, of it's them. It, like, it was not it was it's not just, a big strange hey. video. It kind of is weird because it looks like they could have easily made it separately, but they flew to Europe to film it with him. <laughs> well, it was the '90s, man. Why not? Had to mention that because uh, I think it's great. Between 1982 and 1990, Phil Collins scored three UK and seven US number one singles as a solo artist. If you combine his work with Genesis, his solo career, and his collaborations, he had more U.S. Top 40 singles than any other artist during the 1980s.
1: Wow, really? Yep. And That's great.
0: Another fun fact about Phil, he is one of only three recording artists, along with Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, who have sold over 100 million records, both as solo artists and as principal members of
1: a band. Whoa. Yeah. Pretty wild. Great trivia facts here. Right? <laughs> I'm just hoping for the day that I go to a music trivia night and they yep. start dropping some Phil Collins questions.
0: We're here to talk about what I think is one of the most perplexing hit songs in history.
1: Susudia. Wait, so this came out when? Nineteen eighty five. Where are we in the trajectory of Bill Collins solo hit? So he has
0: he's done this is his third solo album. Oh wow. Uh, in the air tonight. Uh, was his first huge, huge hit. That was 1981. Um, he had a couple more hits in there. We'll discuss this, but this is like the solo album that really made him, I feel like a bigger superstar than Genesis. As far as his hit songs before this song, they were almost all slow, wispy ballads. Like they were very, like in the air tonight. Like they were, they were very similar to, to that, I mean, that song's even pretty heavy in the pantheon of, of Phil Collins hit songs. You know, his albums had a few up tempo numbers here and there. Uh, but when he set out to make this album, which was titled No Jacket Required, he purposefully set out to make a more up tempo album. Like that was the point, which is really funny to me because this album has one more night on it, which I think is one of his like slowest and more like ballady hits, which is pretty funny.
1: Yeah, but you know, the albums, especially in the eighties, had to have some, you know, of course. Of course.
0: Uh it's just funny, like reading all of his quotations, like, oh, I want to make an upbeat like dance record. I'm like, one more night's on this <laughs> album. <laughs> According to his twenty sixteen autobiography, Not Dead Yet, yes, that
1: is the name of the book. <laughs> is he like a typical person that people assume is dead on Twitter or something? I would, that's probably true. Yeah, there's probably you an Il- Is Phil Collins
0: Dead website. And it just gives you a yes right, or right, no. Right, right, right. <laughs> you can look it up. Um, <laughs> in the book, he wrote, I have a notion of what I want to do. Break out of this, quote, love song box that I have found myself in. I'm going to make a dance album, or at least... And I'm with a couple of up-tempo tracks,
1: so he like kind of walks it back already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, is he walking it back, or is he going into his record label in 1984 and like, hey, I'm tired of these ballads. I want to make a rock album, and they're like, no, nah. <laughs> like,
0: well, stick to your lane, bro. <laughs> you want to make a rock album? Where is the rest of Genesis? Bring them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the defining characteristics of no jacket required, is Phil's experimentation with a drum machine, which at the time was kind of a novel concept, still pretty new. Um, and I'm sure you can easily hear this very much includes the studio. It's built around a, a drum machine. So oh, yeah, while Phil was making demos for the album, he actually played all the instruments on the demos. After the demos, he said he needed a guitarist because Phil Collins doesn't know how to play guitar. Um, so he recruited uh, Daryl Sturmer from Genesis and uh, Daryl plays on the whole album. And he went on to joke that he saved Phil Collins's career by playing guitar for him and went as far to say, thank God Phil Collins doesn't play guitar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank God for that guy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, right. What's also funny is that Phil is a famously a world-class drummer. But there are no drums, sure. no actual drums whatsoever on "Suit." Oh, interesting.
1: No real drum. No, just just the, yeah. Huh.
0: No real drums. Uh, the, the drum machine he used was a Roland TR nine oh nine. You are likely familiar with the Roland TR eight oh eight drum machine, uh, which is more often credited with changing the musical landscape, uh, most notably in early hip hop music. Sure. Uh, the nine oh nine came afterward, and it was an, initially a commercial failure, a total flop now gone on to be more iconic in kind of a nuanced way uh, the first commercial use of a 909 is on the 1983 album Remission by Canadian industrial rock band Skinny Puppy uh, that was released months after the 909 and then a few years later the 909 was largely popularized by house music producers in Chicago and Detroit such as Derek May Frankie Knuckles, R.I.P and Jeff Mills It was also the first drum machine to use MIDI, which is Musical Instrument Digital Interface. I'm using MIDI right now to record this episode. It's technology that basically allows electronic instruments to communicate with one another and with computers. And so producers were starting to use the 909 to synchronize and sequence other instruments. And it was very cutting edge, but it's now standard in almost all music you listen to unless it's recorded analog. The 909 was also well known for its use by Bjork. And also prominently used by Radiohead on their 2007 album mm. In Rainbows, one of their finest albums. Uh, if I think you ask, one me. one of
1: the best albums of all time. If you ask me. Oh wow, we're up in the ante. Ooh, uh, we are.
0: I might not disagree. So Phil programmed the Susudio beat on the 909. Thought it was cool, uh, and he realized that he needed to fill out some more of the electronic instruments that he wasn't as familiar with, especially if we're talking MIDI and synthesizers and stuff. So he hired David Frank, the non-singing half of the New York dance pop duo, The System. Are you familiar with familiar. The System?
1: No. They are be- well, maybe I am. But you they are
0: best known for their 1987 song, Don't Disturb This Groove.
1: No, but it sounds like something that would be up my alley. The System. That sounds like... i thought to it. I
0: like it. Yeah, it reached number five on the Hot 100. So actually, the only instruments in the song that are not electronic are the guitars, the horns, and Phil's voice. And I would argue that the horns are the best part of the song. And I think this song, I, I would say that's that's probably the most iconic part of the song, is the horn. We shouldn't be surprised because the horns are played by Phoenix Horns which were most famous for being the horn section for earth, wind and fire. Oh, okay. So like the horns in September, that's the same horn section. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, And it's, it's pretty crazy because they, they had been uh, collaborating with Genesis for years. So a lot of the Genesis songs with horns, it's Phoenix horns from earth, wind and fire. Uh, I believe they were actually called earth, wind and fire horns and then changed their name to Phoenix when they started doing some other stuff. Cool. Yeah, Phil had a real love for R and B in in soul. Like that was his favorite, his favorite genres to listen to, and that's what he was trying to fashion here. (laughs) But it definitely came out in a very UK pop synthesized kind of way. But I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room here. What in the actual fuck does the studio mean? Yeah, please. (laughs) Uh, I can tell that you have no idea, Uh, and you have no idea what the song is about no uh well i can tell you kind of okay i did a lot of reading about this and this is what i've deduced so when phil was recording the demos where he was doing all the instruments uh messing around on a drum machine uh he was just improvising so he would like make up melodies with filler words uh kind of like a lot of rappers do these days where they just like they get the cadence going and then they fill it in with words later um so he's just singing in the microphone and he says what came out on this song was Susudio. Su- it just came out.
1: And that, that's it. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I guess. It was like kind of like a scat or gibberish kind of thing. You know, no sim- no, no different than like ba da or do to do, whatever. It was sasudio. Su-
1: <laughs> sure. Why not?
0: I mean. And he says, I, I kind of knew I had to find something else for that word. Then I went back and tried to find another word that scanned as well as Susudio. And well, I couldn't find one. So I went back to (laughs) Susudio. Then I thought, okay, let's give it a meaning. What is it? (laughs) Which he never really seemed to clearly do. Um, He did say once that he named the drum machine Susudio after the song. Um, He's also alluded to it tying into the theme of the song. So the song, according to Phil... Is about a schoolboy crush on a girl, but the girl isn't interested in the boy, so she's this out of his league type of figure. That's that's yeah, what it's about. In there. Um, over time, people have taken his explanation and the context of the song, and they have referred to this phenomenon of somebody longing after a person that's out of their league as being. A Susudio. Oh. So essentially, a Susudio would be someone someone you like that is that is out of reach, that would never consider uh, so sharing they would, romance with you.
1: They would be the, they would be the Susudio. Susudio.
0: Yes. Hmm. Um, okay. Other people have also used it as a stand-in for the name of someone they don't know, but they are attracted to. Mm, so okay. like, you're at the bar and you're like, oh man, check out Susudio over here because you
1: don't know their name. I like that. Or yeah. like when you're on a train and like the other train passes and you fall in love for the hot second that you see someone. <laughs> like a misconnection. Like, oh, my Susudio just rolled by. They, going should, they should
0: change Craigslist misconnection to Craigslist <laughs> Susudio's. <laughs> uh, Phil claims that uh, his older daughter named her horse Susudio. Mm. Um, as far as I know, it's true. He sure. also claimed...
1: Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. back up, back up, back up. So his daughter named her horse Sasudio, yeah. Does that mean that she like <laughs> wanted to get with the horse? And the horse Let's hope not wasn't Fiona? it. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: there might be some other there, there might be there, some but... other uh, other things to uh, address in that situation. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Phil has said more than once, "I'm sure there are children all over the world named Sasudio," and I apologize for that. <laughs> I think Phil is getting ahead of himself here uh, yeah, because. I mean, I it does not appear there is anyone on the planet named Sasudio. I I'm not the only one. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't met one, but I I'm mean, not the only one I, as I've read that's tried to figure out if there are people named Sasudio. Like there's there're plenty of <laughs> people who have written about the song and they're like we tried to find anyone named Sasudio, there's been no leads, but the ego of it is pretty hilarious. Like he's just like yeah. I'm sure people name their kids Sasudio
1: cuz they love the song. What would the uh, the shortened version of that be? Sus- Susie, Susie, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I know a lot right? of Susies, so mm. right. You should ask all of them. Mm. You know a lot of Susies. Like how many? Okay, maybe maybe like two. I don't think I know anyone named Susie.
1: <laughs> I don't actually know. I know I, I've met one uh, <laughs> as a as a Formula One fan. Toto Wolf's wife is named Susie, so there's there's two. Mm. Okay, I uh, thought I got.
0: The words the "studio" has in a way become kind of a part of popular lexicon.
1: Well, according to Phil Collins. uh,
0: Well, yeah. And, and also (laughs) like I've, I've, I've been reading about the song a lot and, and people use it in this way or did, or it's, it's, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Maybe not naming their kids after it, but it's, it's in some, in some circles, it is some slang.
1: I like it. I'll start doing it.
0: And usually it's a take on the quote, unattainable love definition. I like it. Um, However, there are some more entries on Urban Dictionary that I had in here, but I don't really want to read them aloud. Uh, they are uh, they're pretty X-rated. I gotta say, they are <laughs> give us one or two. Uh, some people have really taken some liberties with with Susudio and
1: any word you look up. Once you get past the first two, it's a bunch of like fourteen-year-olds oh, hanging out at night watching BH one and being like, yeah, it's like a funny joke." Yeah, because you know, right. fourteen-year-old hang out and watch VH1. On the
0: One of the definitions on Urban Dictionary was derived from a big cultural touchstone for this song that we will get to momentarily, and I will call back the Urban Dictionary mm, thing. Okay. Um, There are also some urban legends now proven untrue, rumored origin stories about Cesudio that have all been debunked. One is that um, Phil Collins was working in a studio. With a man who had a severe stutter. <laughs> I don't need to go any further. It's kind of offensive. Well, but I think we do need to
1: explain that. because when I, as I did, I, I looked up the spelling of the song mm. and I, I Googled S-O-S-O studio, but mm. it, it it is just S-U-S-S-I-O-D-U. Right, now, it's not right. That's U-S-S-U-D-I-O. Goes to show how fucking weird this song is. We can't even spell it. It it. (laughs) it does look like it's the end of studio. studio. Right, of course. Phil Collins does not seem like a man who would take advantage of that opportunity and make fun of a man like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like he probably put the guy on the track. He'd be like, hey, man, you're in. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, The other one was that Phil was in Japan... Trying to find a recording studio, and something got lost in translation, resulting in the words "the studio." Okay, none of those are true. Uh, It's basically he made something up, and now he's like kind of tried to make up what it actually means, (laughs) right?
1: Trying to backfill. There are many different ways to to write a song, obviously, but I do know that a lot of bands at times will they just get a melody down, they just they just get the the construction of the song down so often they are just like spitballing, not even using real words they're just sure using verbal ticks to like build something Uh and then they'll go yeah. back and, and write lyrics to it or the band puts it together and then then maybe the lead singer whoever whomever is the lyricist will, will put words to it so uh, you know it's a pretty uh, I don't know how often take that that happens but um it does and I, I imagine if I was Phil Collins and I sang the song what are, what are you gonna fill it in with like so, so studious. Like, you know, there's not much to do that
0: I don't know. I find it funny that uh, a songwriter of his stature couldn't find anything to put in there. And also, and he was like, Sasudio just hits so hard. Like, Fair. gotta keep it. And then made it the word that's most often sung in the song and in the chorus, the, the most famous part of the song. And then name the song Sasudio. <laughs> like, he just went in a hundred percent. So like, I, I, I can't imagine like, at that time, being like, oh, yeah, uh, we got the new Phil Collins song here. Uh, it's uh Susudio. Uh, and then it just plays and it's like, what the hell is going on here? And it's just nonsense. I kind of love it. I kind of do, too.
1: I respect it. I mean, but it was I, the 80s. He was making boatloads of money. I'm sure he was kind of just like, fuck it.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was. But it worked. That's what's amazing yeah. is that it worked. And it was the lead single for the album but only in the UK. Mm. They released, uh, at the same time, Susudio in the UK and One More Night in the US. Mm. When you were able... You can't do that anymore because no. uh, people are like, oh, there's this other song that came out over there. <laughs> that's that's weird. Uh, But you would have no idea at the time that another song is out in another part of the world. Uh, that's why people were buying imports and stuff. Uh Susudio only reached number 12 in the UK. And then once studio was released to radio in America months later. It was just like so many songs we've discussed. It was on MTV. And eventually that turned into a number one hit.
1: I wonder what that says about us versus England. The England people were like, this is a made up word. We can't, we can't listen to this. And we were like, oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Hey,
1: man. You're at Susudio's song. Susudio, <laughs> that's a big word. Oh, don't ask me to spell it. Uh <laughs> I
0: can't. Uh, MTV was only four years old at the time. Yeah, but that toddler had legs, though, man. There were so many bangers from the early 80s. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, they had it on heavy rotation. Susudio, Phil Collins.
1: By the way, I feel like every song we mention that gets AirPlayer and or on MTV in the early 80s, mid-80s, we always say on heavy rotation, I think only because there were like eight videos. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't that so, many videos. There were grass <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah.
0: Well, there are also a lot of videos that they refused to play. Like, ev- like every other video was banned from MTV. Like yep. it was just, can't play it. Because they were kind of, you know, toe in the line for a long time. The music video. Music video. um, You know what? Let's play
1: it. Am I going to remember this? Is it like, is it, uh, was it memorable? I'm sure I saw it. I remember it, uh,
0: mostly because Phil Collins just looks like a maniac in this video. (laughs) Oh, wow. The, uh, the thumbnail on YouTube is. He looks like a Batman villain.
1: If you showed me a picture of this and I didn't know it was Phil Collins and you were like, what's this from? I would be like, oh, wow. That's like some fucking Tim Burton Batman. Shit, right there. Yeah.
0: The video kind of follows that too. Like the the way that everything looks outside, it's like, oh wow, agnostic. it does. <laughs> yeah. Who directed this? I couldn't find out. uh I tried okay. to search for it. Couldn't find it. We'll say Phil Collins. Uh I did find out some other fun things about the video. It was shot at a London pub called the Princess Victoria, which has been around since 1829. uh It was one of London's first gin joints. Hmm. And at the time of the video's production, the pub was owned by none other than Sir Richard Branson.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. That's a cool fact. And this video and One More Night were both filmed there. This one features Phil Collins playing to a crowd that's already there, basically, but they're like not they're enjoying the it.
1: There's a real drum set in
0: the video. There is, yeah. There is a real drum set. He's also playing Air <laughs> Yeah, He is. <laughs> The other video takes place after the bar closes, uh, doing a sad bastard thing to One More Night. Uh, but this video, it's like, you know, and I'm pretty sure that's the Phoenix horns from Earth, Wind & Fire in the video. Oh, I'm sure, but yeah. This crowd, it's a tough crowd. At the beginning, he's like, all right, we got one more song. They don't care. And then is playing, and they are starting to get down. Um, another fun fact about the Princess Victoria uh, it was a major location for Guy Ritchie's 2019 film, The Gentleman, starring Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant, oh. which I have yet to see. But I heard it's good. I have seen it. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Uh, apparently, the bar's in it quite a bit.
1: Man, you're not lying. Phil Collins is, like, not a good-looking guy, huh? <laughs> He's just, like... He's better looking now. I feel like he's 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 done a glow yeah. up. He's also like wearing
0: a double-breasted business suit. Well, I thought this is the very
1: eighties, right? It's not like a hip looking suit, no, though. No.
0: It's like it's like I'm suing somebody. That's what the real knows.
1: problem. Is is that it looks like a TV attorney? The horn section it, it looking dapper as fuck. So of course like, they are. They're an earth They're straight up showing anyone else up in that pub. And they're the best part of the song. So
0: I feel like he he really let them kind of take take over the show.
1: But yeah, now people are like clapping. I like the idea of going to a pub, a local bar, if you will, and then like, you know, the the local band gets up and you're like, oh God, you roll your eyes a little bit like these guys, these people in the crowd did. But if I was at a pub and a local band got up and a whole fucking horn section got up mm. with them, I'd be like, oh, I'm a little treat. I'm going to order another drink. I'm going to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, does this does this bar 1800s gin joint in London normally have bands that are like this?
1: <laughs> this is crazy. Man, there are some good haircuts in the crowd. Oh, the the
0: haircuts are amazing. Very 80s England. Um lot lot of uh a lot of roosters in the audience.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: But I I kind of love that uh this video. It's almost like he's trying to convince us to love the song because he convinced these people to love
1: the song. Yeah, like... That's the vibe I'm getting. The videos, I guess, is fine. But yeah, when you pull yourself back a little bit and you're like, what was the pitch like for this video? You're just gonna sing in front of a pub crowd and we're we're gonna be into it. There's also a lot of plants on stage. Do you think that the pub always has plants or... It's just like a set decoration I think, thing.
0: I think Phil maybe brought some plants from home and uh,
1: dressed up the set. And by a lot of plants, <laughs> I mean like three. Not a lot. Not a lot. It's just like more than you would normally find. I remember a pub. going to any dingy pubs
0: in the UK and seeing plants whatsoever. I feel like they wouldn't survive, to be
1: quite honest. <laughs> There's like no windows right. in this place. Yeah, it's a strange video. Because it's like, it, it's not good, but it's,
0: Oddly it's, it's pretty
1: strange. Fun to watch. It's not good.
0: Especially for a song like this, like with such a weird like a weird word. I'd almost think that he would have gone the Peter Gabriel route of like making some crazy animation or very yeah. like far out video to go with the strange word and making it kind of a conceptual thing. And
1: it's and this is just it's a time period where like you can't And then he just winks at the end. Yeah. Oh, I didn't he see that he just
0: winks yet. at the end and there's a freeze frame. It looks like a oh, hold on. Let me You'll the see it. Well, yeah. It's at like just before five minutes.
1: Oh, my God. It's creepy as fuck. And then they just
0: turn out the lights at the pub and the video's over.
1: (laughs) There's a little thumbnail of, um, I guess it's the thumbnail for the actual Phil Collins YouTube channel. It's a picture of him now. Like, he looks much better.
0: (laughs) His hair was not great. Yeah. He's better bald. I feel like he was hanging on to his hair saying, one more night, one more night. (laughs) So I mentioned that the song hit number one here in the States six months after its initial release in the UK. Wow. And of course, we all want to know what else was on the chart. What's interesting about the song is that it was only number one for a week. And when I tell you what else was on the chart, you will not be surprised why. Mm -hmm. Number two was A View to a Kill, Duran Duran, doing the the Bond theme. Mm -hmm. Number three was, uh, I think one of the greatest songs of all time, Raspberry Beret by Prince and the Revolution. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Brian Adams was right behind that with Heaven. Mm, Huge uh, song. Survivor was next with The Search is Over. Eurythmics are here again. I feel like the re- Eurythmics have been like on three charts we've talked about. Um, would I lie to you? Whitney Houston is at number seven with You Give Good Love, which I feel like is one of her first hits. Yeah, it's gotta be. I got to say though, not I don't think I'm familiar with 8 and 9. Every time you go away, Paul Young, and then Voices Carry till Tuesday. So till Tuesday the band? Yeah. Another band. They look like the people in the pub in the Phil Collins video. <laughs> and then number 10 was Madonna Angel. So
1: what uh what unseated it next week?
0: I think it was Duran
1: Duran. Well, it's to Voices Carry. Oh, I love this song. Yeah, this song is in... This is a great song. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Hold on. Let me get into it real quick. But I know this song. I'm listening to this
0: I'm watching a video. It looks like this is a studio. The banger, dude. Probably a one-hit wonder. I don't know the band. Oh. Oh, yeah. This song is a jam. This is a great song. also a uh, singing bass player i guess i didn't know that was that huge of a hit uh that's a cool song okay all right uh well then i guess we have to look up the other one too uh paul young every time you go away uh, uh, this video looks familiar i think I.
1: oh yes (laughs) yeah this song is classic uh
0: i guess i just I, you know me i'm, bad at song I'm t- awful at it's not it's t- not it. the studio i don't
1: i feel like you could go back to any week in the 80s and all 10 are going to be fucking bangers that you wouldn't recall on your own but you know mostly from movies uh, probably
0: this guy and phil collins really have some you know what actually this guy looks like marty stewart he does <laughs> wow <laughs>
1: so that's
0: that's what was on the chart and yes uh Duran Duran of You To A Kill dethroned Susudio a week later. I think Raspberry Beret then dethroned Duran Duran. So Hmm. they had a, in succession, those three songs ended up being number one. Uh, Also, Raspberry Beret, another great drum machine song. Yeah, We'll get to Prince in a minute. A couple things about this album, No Jacket Required. The title is derived from an experience that Phil Collins had in Chicago with Robert Plant. Oh. Um, they tried to go to the pump room. Did you ever go to the pump room?
1: No, it sounds familiar.
0: It closed in 2017. I never went. I remember some of my coworkers would go. As it was like a historic restaurant downtown in a hotel, you know, white tablecloths. Uh, and they tried. Check it required. Right. They tried to go. And they said that Phil needed a dinner jacket.
1: Yeah, that's a thing. It's so old school. It is. So
0: Collins was wearing a jacket. Uh, And he said that exactly. I'm wearing a jacket. And they still said he couldn't come in.
1: Was he wearing like a members only jacket or something?
0: I would assume he and he was also with Robert Plant like telling those two guys you can't come in <laughs> it's crazy uh crazy. and he said um he was so upset about it because he was dressed fairly smart proper trousers not jeans <laughs> and a nice leather jacket he says so not a members only oh um and he exacted his revenge by naming his album no jacket required
1: that's some larry David shit like I'm going to open a restaurant across the street from you called No Jackets Required. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um,
0: After the incident, Collins was on Late Night with David Letterman and The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He denounced the restaurant by name and told a story on both shows. And the management of the restaurant uh saw it. And they mailed him a sport coat, complimentary, with an apology letter saying that he can come in wearing whatever he wants. Okay, okay.
1: I thought they were going to say, like, almost kind of in a dick way, like, here's a sport coat next time you come in. Bill Collins. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, he says he never went back. I uh, I recently... I I went to a bachelor party in Vegas. It was not recently, it's a couple years ago. Um, But recently, in the sense that, like, it was, like, three or four years ago, and uh, I went to a restaurant where they required Mm -hmm. you to wear a jacket and i wasn't wearing a jacket and so they gave me you know one of those oversized Mm -hmm. jackets to wear and it's (laughs) this is like it's 2019 guys (laughs) like really we're still doing this we don't
0: need to get into this podcast but it's pretty
1: classic well yeah
0: yeah it's it's, uh uh, i think there's some other Yeah. yeah yeah some other things going on there the cover image of no jacket required uh, which was a continuation of the facial close up theme begun with his last album, Face Value. Um, it has Colin's Very face. Oh, yeah. Lit by a red orange light, which he used to emphasize that it was hot and
1: up tempo. He looks like he's like looking into like, uh, a fucking like chicken fryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just like pulled up into a
0: Burger King and <laughs> this is not a good photo. He looks like Putin. <laughs> no it's it's not great (laughs) they sprayed glycerin on his forehead to give the illusion of perspiration i don't know why they just couldn't get him sweating but especially in a photo shoot with a bunch of lights on him on the inside of the album uh he is seen wearing a suit that is several sizes too big which is appearing to lampoon the incident
1: oh yeah here it is okay yeah or the style. Uh, interestingly,
0: Peter Gabriel is on the album. He sings on the album, oh. uh, and Sting is also on the album.
1: Yeah, I can see them, main Boys.
0: And shortly after this, uh, he and Sting played Live Aid, and Phil Collins famously played two shows on two different concerts That's right. within twenty-four hours. Yeah, that was on this tour. Yep, he played the studio. He also played drums for Led Zeppelin in what pretty much everyone says is the worst Led Zeppelin set of all time. Oh. And Phil Collins is frequently blamed for this and the band <laughs> didn't play again for like thirty years.
1: My my facial expression was like, wow, really? And like, oh. oh, okay. <laughs> you, you ruined that Zeppelin. Okay. okay. Wait, what at, at Live Aid? Or yeah. Ze- oh, wow. So
0: it was a big Led Zeppelin reunion. I think it was the first time they were playing since John Bonham died. And uh Phil Collins played drums and it was uh
1: Lambasted by the world. I i like the idea of like Jimmy Page being up there, like slowly going into like Stairway to Heaven, like, ding, ding, ding. and then Phil Collins in the back end, dude, not yet. Oh, fuck
0: <laughs> or he's like, Hey guys, I brought the 909 drum machine.
1: What, what do you well, think? That's what I, to me, Phil Collins is synonymous with like big reverb, hollowed out drums. Right. Which is not yeah. Zeppelin at all. So no. I could see him bringing that kit to a Zeppelin show and, and really not doing well. It was a
0: weird choice. It wasn't that different than having like Neil Peart play with Led Zeppelin, which would make no sense. Right. So the album and thusly the studio, uh, were generally reviewed well in the music trades and papers. Uh, although some folks called the album dated or flimsy, but generally it was as well liked by them as the public. Famed Rolling Stone reviewer David Frick said Phil Collins sudden transformation from the balding bantam drummer for a prosperous British art rock group into a mainstream pop heartthrob might seem one of the 80s most improbable success stories, Yeah, which he's probably correct. Leading into this being an unlikely hit in another way. Um, But he says, judging from the sly craft and warm low key humor of his solo records and his successful productions, Collins newfound fame was inevitable. He also said that the use of horns in Susudio, uh sounded thin to him.
1: Mm. Oh, oh <laughs> which is <whoa>. crazy.
0: Oh, <laughs> which is crazy. Dirty. Yeah. Best part of the song.
1: Yeah. Wait, can we go back a second, though? Uh, was he a heartthrob? You know,
0: I uh, didn't even consider that as I was reading it. So I guess he is. Um, I don't know.
1: To be fair, the music was obviously, not obviously, but I feel like I uh, would be played on, like, B101 or whatever fucking AC right, yeah. channel was playing in or time or wherever, mm-hmm. you, wherever you might live. Uh, so I could see a lot of, like, soccer moms or recent divorcees being into them. And the music worked for them. I mean, it's like... It, it was also at a time where I feel like the way people looked wasn't
0: synonymous with their music. You might like the music and think it's cool or whatever, but, like, you don't see artists faces as often as we do now so maybe it was easier to separate the uh you know separate the two i mean lyle lovett uh was married to julia roberts so you know that's an outlier (laughs) also interestingly um keegan hamilton of the riverfront times uh said the song was the best track on the album saying it was catchy gibberish (laughs) He then says, even though the song isn't on the Flashdance soundtrack, it makes me want to put on some goofy leg warmers and kick out an aerobics routine. Well, Where the vast majority of artists from this era try out the synthesizer keyboard horn section soup and fail miserably, Colin seems to have the recipe down to his science.
1: I, I think that is a good point, though, is that it brings a lot of elements that were happening at the time. Musically, sonically, I think it works to that point of yeah, it was of the time of Flashdance and movies of that nature. So it kind of fits into that pantheon. But then like it uses the synth well. It uses the the vocal modulation well. It uses mm-hmm. the horns well. That you do, you you put the things together correctly and it's gonna make a good song. It certainly worked. Uh and it still works. I think this was at it like
0: this nineteen eighty five, like that's the time where people are really starting to use this stuff super heavily. So I think that's why maybe some folks were saying it sounded dated already. Yeah. But it's, it's like the same thing that always happens is that influential artists revolutionize music and the people that come after them make a more polished version of what they were doing. So I think that's where we're at here with Phil, but there are plenty of other people doing this where even if the songs were hits, I feel like we listen back to them
1: and not think of them as fondly
0: or we'd see them on the, on the chart. On the show, and we'd be like, "I don't remember that song."
1: I know, but y'all should go back and listen to "Voices Carry." <laughs> yeah. uh, does the fact that the song lack a meaning and lack a real connection, because it's not a real word, if you will, um, does it make it timeless in a way? Maybe that we're able to like. You can throw this song. Like, if I go to a, a Knicks game tomorrow and they play this during the commercial break or something like that, I'm not questioning it at all. Because it, it works, it's, like, fun, it's upbeat. Yeah. And because the lyrics aren't, like, really, like, taking you away from anything, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. That does maybe
0: speak to it being kind of a vapid song, but it works. Yeah. I'm also really curious if his, like, schoolboy crush, out of out of your league whole thing came before or after <laughs> he sang Susudio into the mic. <laughs>
1: it all feels very after the fact
0: <laughs> it does. it's like susudio what would that mean yeah i don't know it's about some hot girl
1: <laughs> yeah like <laughs> i feel like there. you have like, situ- like art situ- like, i don't know like artists like painters will like do something and then like abstract painter and then it's like what does this mean they like they like walk it back and they like, try to find a meaning for it or like put something to it that really didn't connect to it i think like it's kind of a scenario
0: also, there's plenty of other songs that instead they use much more well-known filler in the song. And we're like, oh yeah, cool. They just say do, 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 do. That's the chorus, you know? Third app line.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a big Sigur Rós fan who has an entire album of made-up words because they feel that, right. Yeah. Vocals are just as much an instrument as an instrument are. It's kind of what we're going for here. Totally.
0: Uh, just unlikely to be pop hits.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: True. Especially the the difference is that like do do dude, dude, we know that he's using his voice as an instrument? So studio, there's no explanation that this is not a word. True. Yeah. Or not Could a place, worse. or not a person, or like, and it just never comes
1: up. <laughs> I think in my head, I always thought it was some sort of like, uh, like uh, PS UED like studio like. Oh yeah, sort of like yeah, bigger, yeah, like word yeah, like, than and, I knew.
0: Hence why people were making up things that ended up spreading and becoming an urban legend about the song. If he had used do, 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 it probably would not have worked. Yeah. But I just, I feel like so many people at the time were just not questioning. I don't think so. What Susudio was, <laughs> which is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: Um, well, I mean, here we here we are at 34 years later and I'm not questioning it either.
0: <laughs> there were also people that were generally not fans of Phil's work who liked
1: it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh As some of them said, it was an anomaly. Uh, it was more textured than his other music. One of them was Michael R. Smith. Not me. Different guy. Daily Vault uh who called the studio a monster track
1: all right michael
0: yeah <laughs> um I a too far. yeah right and also i i have to mention that there were some people who did not care for it uh one of which was tom service from the guardian who said um it was unlistenable the production the drum machine the inane sincerity of the lyrics there's no colder or more superficial sound in popular music precisely because it takes itself so seriously
1: okay tom
0: and he also called the pet shop boys geniuses by comparison um love pet shop boys but that's a little strong there was a huge criticism of the song um that did not have to do with music journalism that the synthesizer riff sounded too much like Prince's 1999, which came out three years prior. And this is something that still comes up in interviews with Phil Collins.
1: Mm, I mean, yeah. But there's like one massive note difference that Really does change the complexity of both. Yeah, the high note there. Uh, But I never thought about that. But now, now that I hear it, I see it. It's the ding. Now, yes. (laughs) I have
0: seen folks say that now Collins would have to give Prince a songwriting credit. (laughs) That's just like how things are working now with people chasing, chasing this stuff, right? I'm also so shocked that Prince didn't sue him. Prince, of all people. <laughs> and it kind of goes to show that I, maybe it wasn't actually ripping off Prince because I think Prince is probably the most protective of his IP of anybody in the history of entertainment. <laughs> You're right. Like he would try to give people not to cover his songs, which you can't do. And then maybe he, maybe he disliked the song. It's like Tom Petty with the strokes, where Tom Petty was like, last night's a jam. I don't care. Great song. Some like that.
1: I mean, a lot of times, usually it's uh, the labels that are or the rights holders that are doing the sewage and not the, uh, the artists.
0: I just... Yeah. I mean, Prince just did, did a lot of that in his time, so...
1: I guess maybe I'm being naive. I just feel like at the time, synth being such like a, a, a nascent technology, if you will, there's only so much you could do with it, and it's different enough.
0: Collins did say... I'd love to sound like Prince if I could.
1: I bet he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and he actually said that he felt that an earlier demo version of Susudio sounded even more like 1999, so he tweaked it. <laughs> oh, all
1: right. Well, now you're showing your cards. <laughs> but he said
0: that he said that after the fact. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, I I really really want to talk about this song in the media. I think it's I think it's uh very important for this in particular. Um it has been referenced or synced in a ton of film and TV. Do you, can you tell me what the most notable use of this song is in film? In film. In film. I feel like it's almost as famous for this as it is for being a hit song to begin with. This song is used twice in two of the more disturbing sequences in American Psycho.
1: Oh, you're right. Yes. In in the book
0: and the film, uh, the main character, Patrick Bateman played by Christian Bale in the movie briefly discusses it as he's showing off his record collection to his soon to be victims. This is the studio. Great, great song. Personal favorite. Um, and asks how they feel about Phil Collins and then talks about No Jacket Required and how lovely the record is. And then right. murders them and does countless other things to them. Um, and that is one of the things that informed one of the Urban Dictionary uh, entries of okay. Susudio, what Susudio means. <laughs> feel free to check that out later. Got it. Um, okay. So that's, I feel like, the most famous use of this song and something that I think of when I hear the song um also uh it was famously used in a south park episode they they made fun of phil collins a lot on that show he fake phil collins shows up pretty often and one of them uh he's singing boo 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 yo that's not a word boo 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 yo it's an episode (laughs) timmy 2000
1: all right i like yeah i appreciate that they're calling out They're they're giving a little factoid,
0: you know. It was also used recently in Despicable Me Three. It was used in the movie Hello Ladies, which is great, uh, and countless other things. It is Phil Collins' highest selling album. It sold over twelve million copies. Uh certified diamond. Um twenty years after its release, uh it 30 years now. This this needs to be updated. Thirty years after its release. Uh, no Jacket Required remains among the 50 highest selling albums in the United States, and the same goes for the UK. Phil has also said that Susudio is the song most people sing to him when they spot him on the street. Interesting. It's also been covered and sampled a ton, mostly in hip-hop. Going back to Bone Thugs, rappers love Phil Collins.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. One of my favorite uh, Phil Collins uh, rapper collabs is uh, Meek Mill. The intro to his Champions album uh, features uh, in the air tonight. Oh,
0: I don't think I realized that. It's great. Uh, I'm, I feel like I've heard mixtapes that have that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, MF Doom quoted to studio in his 2003 track Phasers. Action Bronson. Famous rapper, chef, chef and TV host, Action Bronson, rapped over Susudio uh, in his song Contemporary Man. Crew and Slick Rick in 1997 used Susudio in Just Another Case. Uh, Old Dirty Bastard has a song called Susudio 2001. It's from a hip-hop tribute album to Phil Collins called Urban Renewal. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, i to that
1: tomorrow.
0: There's all kinds of interpretations of Phil Collins songs. The Old Ray Bastard one's pretty good. The hook is cool. Um, and then there were a whole list of other rappers I wasn't familiar with who have sampled the song. Uh, it also showed up in Weird Al's Polka um, Party, which is another one of his polka medleys with a bunch of songs in it. Uh, there's a Canadian indie rock band called Paper Lions, who's pretty popular. To our northern neighbors, but not as much here. They covered the song in 2016. that made the rounds online. It's pretty faithful. There are also a lot of jazz covers. This song ends up in jazz live performances, medleys, all kinds of stuff. Really? Uh, it happens quite a bit, it seems. And I got to tell you, huh. we have a kids' corner. Oh, really? But oh. it's not kids, Bob because it was the 80s it's Kids Incorporated
1: oh my god it's a thing. Do you know
0: about Kids Incorporated no Kids Incorporated was a TV show started in the 80s ran through the 90s it used to be syndicated and then it was on Disney Channel later
1: oh no this, this was super familiar it's kids like okay. that are like a rock band
0: covering songs I, I it's
1: do less of this. like a
0: kids choir and more of like kids assuming the rock band uh, it's more like Mickey Mouse Club way more like Mickey Mouse Club yeah and the, yeah. the the comments are weird it's like there's definitely people who are like oh man i used to love ryan he sings it so well it's very strange uh but this was in 1985 so the year came out i remember the show yeah i say that counts
1: as a kid's corner it absolutely <laughs> does
0: old school kid's corner
1: i mean kid's bob had to have been born out of this to some extent right where's this film i have I'm no real. idea oh, LA somewhere.
0: yeah or like Universal oh, Studios. Like studio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have like a little bar set up here. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is fantastic. Yep. So there is a kids corner. So look, Sasudio. All massive artists, I'd say, over the course of their careers, if they're, if they have a long career, they eventually have a flop. Like it's out, it's not out of the question. Like I, no, I think they have so. a flop. I love that Sasudio wasn't a flop. Like it was so massive. It, 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 it seems like it would just be like, Hey, he's had two big records. Genesis had a bunch of huge records. He's had hits. Here we go. This song not only sounds totally different, but it's nonsense
1: <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. I do wonder like what the, the calculation was at the record label. How much power Phil had over that? Like, I want to
0: know if they were in a room there, like Phil, what is this about? What is Susudio? And he was just like, I don't know, man. It's
1: jam. But it, it is. It's is very catchy. The horns super help. I mean. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Without the horns, this song would not
0: be it. Oh, definitely not. The horns make the song. Of course. Yeah. So shout out to Phoenix. They're amazing. They've yeah. been a part of many hits. But yeah, this is the album that that uh, is widely regarded as transforming Phil Collins from the drummer in a band with a couple hits to a pop superstar.
1: Hot damn. So are we
0: crediting MTV for this one again? I mean, it did hit number 12 in the UK. So it was like already pretty big. And One More Night ended up, it was huge here too, yeah. before this song. So um I think we can credit MTV with taking it to number one. Okay. That's what I think. I think that's Phil what, already
1: had enough of a, I think that's uh, what
0: rocketed it to number one. It was probably being played on the radio. And I got to imagine some folks at radio were like, this is a weird song. Phil, like what's going on here? This is not... One more night. It's, it's called the studio. What does that mean? We're not gonna play it. And then
1: MTV's playing it. Phones ringing off the hook. They're Like all right, final we'll place to play it. playing it though. I mean, it's it's a fun song. And if you're adult contemporary, you're not taking yourself that seriously anyway. And this
0: is, I, I gotta say, this is this is pretty. Uh, it's a pretty heavy dance number for adult contemporary. So they're I know, but I like, feel like
1: they they would play it. Yeah, they're not yeah. like whereas like a hip-hop station, a rock station, uh alternative rock station, they're taking themselves seriously, and they, they feel like they are arbiters of right. pop culture, right. whereas Adult Contemporary is kind of like, well, whatever connects, like, fuck right. it, tomorrow we'll play a Mercy Me single, because it works, you know? Right. I,
0: I do have to say, uh, as we've said on many episodes, um, uh, I I read a ton of articles about this song, my eyes were I feel like I saw the words to studio in my sleep when I closed my eyes. But <laughs> our man Tom Brahan at Stereo Gum again, wrote a really great piece about this song. And I've referenced a couple of things that he pointed out. But Tom, I hope one day you listen to us gush about your writing on this podcast. But he said some amazing things about this song that I really wanted to share. One of them was... Pop music is an art form dedicated to hormones and crushes and longings, the eternal struggle to stave off boredom. The words don't have to make sense. They don't even have to be words. With Susudio, Phil Collins made up a word, built a song around that word, and then made that song into his third consecutive number one single. If you're capable of doing that, then why would you even need language?
1: Mm, What a line. Right? I thought that was so
0: good. I thought that was so good. Good for Phil Collins, yeah. man. I mean, we don't need to do a i mean we don't need to do a where are they now we well, not dead we right? actually do something like that uh it's It's Phil Collins he's not dead, he's still doing his thing, he's still making tons of money. He certainly hasn't had a hit in quite some time by the end of the nineties Collins uh had come to be seen by many as a symptom of the evils of quote corporate rock uh during the two decades prior an opinion that he understood. He said, I can look back now and see how annoying I must have been in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> I seem to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I kind of feel like that Tarzan song was the last one. I feel like it was like, all right, Phil, this is sappy as hell. It's 1999. Let's turn it up. <laughs> like,
1: I appreciate that he can be self-reflective in that way. Uh, I, I give no... Yeah, me too. It will to the Tarzan aspect, mainly because I am a huge Elton John fan. And if I'm gonna like <laughs> look at someone being like, well, you can't like don't pull fucking Randy yeah. Newman. But like if Elton John can do it, anybody can do it.
0: So yeah, that's the studio. Uh I've been waiting to cover Susudio. I've been really excited about it. because uh, I've always wondered what the fuck is this song about?
1: Yeah, I've I never wondered that uh but I'm questioning my own self for Which is not wondering that. Uh, great song yeah. great ch- great choice um yeah amazing well there we have it i'm gonna go listen to
0: some more phil collins deep cuts oh wow over. ted's going deep cuts he's not even gonna hit
1: the got, hits well i i i, I never I, i've always okay i like phil collins i've never listened to any of the stuff outside the hits though. so maybe tomorrow i'm gonna throw on the, the full no jackets required album.
0: um i'm gonna maintain that um I don't love Phil Collins. I don't hate Phil Collins.
1: Well, normally I walked into an episode hating a band, leaving liking the band. Uh, this one I walked in enjoying some of their aspects and, and now I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I do I do kind of think some of this is pretty badass though. He's just like, I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but check it out. Hit on. Like, <laughs> just,
1: it's crazy. I feel like he is a self-aware rock star that has no illusions of how big or not big he is he doesn't really want to be a rock star necessarily he just wants to go into a restaurant and not wear a jacket if he's with somebody from what's hey, up you know it's I, not too much I totally agree um, I, I, hope, I hope
0: that Phil can sleep tight now knowing he can go anywhere not wearing a jacket that's a wrap on this episode of you wanted a hit thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it Good luck getting that song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. And if you listen on Apple, write a review, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at YWAHpod at gmail.com. And lastly, share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was research produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bible. And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.